Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello. Hi, everyone. Do you like the new very short intro? I hope you do. Um, I'm going to keep it 100. I am not in a great mood right now. Uh, I'm recording Saturday. I got temporarily laid off yesterday. My boss said like a million times in the conversation that he hopes it's temporary. They're keeping me on my health insurance. This isn't you know, performance related, uh, just that our biggest client is a doctor's office, like by far our biggest client. I work at a very small law firm and our biggest client is a doctor's office. And the doctor's office was like, oh, we can't pay you guys. (laughs) So my boss can't pay me and one of the associate lawyers. So, uh, yeah, I am laid off. (laughs) I applied for unemployment Um, I am lucky that, you know, I talked about on my AMA last week, my Ask Me Anything that came out, uh, on Friday. Well, it came on Patreon, I think on Tuesday and then on the regular feed on Friday that I live with my mom and I love living with my mom and I plan to keep living with my mom and I'm very grateful I live with my mom because I don't have to stress about not making rent, thank God. Uh, but Like, I'm lucky that I have parents that can help and support me. And like I said, I filed for unemployment. So hopefully that will come in and hopefully this whole thing will pass soon. (laughs) Turns out I hate being in a global pandemic. I, I hate social distancing. I hate being in a global pandemic. This morning I got up and did a yoga class online, which I hate doing. (laughs) Uh, I need to figure out a better home workout situation. I've been walking a lot, which is great. I am so fucking grateful for where I live in my neighborhood. I could walk for hours, literally, um, if I wanted to in a safe, great area. Like, really, really grateful for that. But it's hard. Uh, yeah, it's hard. This morning, I just was, like, feeling really down in the dumps. Like, I just want to go to my 10.45 a.m. yoga class at my fucking heated studio and then go out for breakfast like I do every Saturday. Like, I have a routine on Saturday. I love it. It makes me feel happy, and I hate not doing it. <laughs> I just am, like, really missing my life right now, I guess you could say. Like, my AA home group is going to be on Zoom tonight, which we did last week, which works. It's fine, but, like, I want to go to my meeting. I want to go out to dinner with my friends afterwards, like... Usually on Saturdays, I like in the mornings, I go to yoga, then I have breakfast, then I record my podcast, and then I go to AA, and then I like go out with my friends from AA after dinner, or for dinner afterwards, Um, and I just, I want to do that. (laughs) I want to do that. Actually, if we weren't in a pandemic, I'd be in Virginia with my best friend and her kids, and I'm not there. I'm here. So it's just, it's just tough. Um, I know a lot of people are in the same position as me. I'm grateful that you know, that hopefully this is temporary. I'm like kind of in the best possible laid off position that I could be in. And I'm like, (laughs) definitely grateful for that. Uh, And in a way, I'm kind of glad it happened yesterday. Because like, in reality, my job is like not really a remote job. And I kind of like, I don't know, I, in a way, I'm glad that like every day, I'm not going to wake up like is today the day that I get laid off? (laughs) Like is today the day that I get laid off? So that's good. Um, I am going to try and fill my time. One thing I am kicking around is a limited edition, only during COVID-19, uh, 
Patreon-only podcast. I'm still not sure about this. What it will look like is I would make a podcast separate from Solid Listen. I'm still going to be doing Feathers in My Hair. I'm still going to be releasing uh, AMA content. I want to really start pumping out podcasts because I'm not working. Uh, I want to definitely do like AMA and bonus episodes as much as I can. Uh, For people who haven't listened to the AMA episode I released, what I'm doing is I'm releasing episodes Solid Listen, our Patreon, my link, the link is in my uh, Instagram bio, but if you search Patreon for Solid Listen, I am releasing bonus episodes there, and then like three days later, they're going to come on the main feed, because I want everybody to be able to get as much content as possible, but I also do want to reward, reward? I don't know if that's the right word, but I do want the patrons who uh, support us financially to get access to it first. So everyone will eventually be able to hear it, but if you're a patron from Solid Listen, you will get access to the bonus episodes first. So I'm not abandoning feathers in my hair. I'm going to keep pumping out AMA episodes. I think tomorrow I'm going to record an AMA episode is my plan, probably to come out Monday slash Thursday. So definitely if you are interested like in that and you want the episodes like as soon as they come up, come up, uh, subscribe to the Solid Listen patron, patron, Patreon, but I am kicking around the idea of doing a Just Why I Am Laid Off uh, Patreon for myself under my name. It would just be Liz Bentley, probably. And I would... I'm kind of thinking about recapping Sister Wives from episode one. I don't know, guys. I'm still not 100% sure. I But I want to do something that's just me on my own, totally handled by me, produced by me. And I think it'd be a nice way to do it. Um, I can make a little bit of extra cash if you can afford it. That's great. If you can't, all of the feathers in my hair content is still free and available. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my plan. If you're interested in that, you can let me know. I will not be offended if you are somebody that can't. I'm about to like cut (laughs) all of my Patreons right now, which sucks. Um, yeah, so trust me, I completely understand if you wouldn't be able to financially support that. I, like zero I mean I would never take offense to someone who's not a Patreon or a Patreon supporter and like just can't have that in their budget or doesn't want to have that in their budget I completely and totally understand but I think people may be interested in it so yeah I think I'm going to try and get that off the ground this week uh, I know there I'm going to invest investigate if I for sure want to do it on Patreon I kind of think that's just the easiest place to do it just because people already know about it and I won't have to have some like long explanation on where to find it or how to find it or how to download it. Um, so I think that's probably what I'll end up doing. But it'll be just like feathers in my hair, but about a different reality TV show. Right now I'm kicking around the idea of Sister Wives because I've been like reading the... <laughs> this, I'm deranged. I've been reading the Sister Wives subreddit a lot and remembering like how much I fucking hated slash loved early season sister wives and like Cody and Mary and them meeting Robin and all of that shit. I used to like love, love, love sister wives. I've mostly stopped watching, but I have like kept up through the years, like their gossip and business. So I might do that. This is not a guarantee. This is not a promise. If it happens, I'll definitely announce it on my Instagram, feathers underscore pod. Um, yeah, I just need like, I, oh, I don't want to cry. Hold on. The thing that I'm most scared about is like my mental health of like not having something to do every day. And it was already like getting to me a little bit, even when I was working. I worked from home last week 
like just like being in my house all day was like getting to me a little bit and I'm a person that like naturally self-isolates and is depressed and like can sleep all day and like never leave her home and so like having a job has always been like really really central to my mental health like getting up every day and going like getting taking a shower every morning and like going out of my house and doing something every day is like like very crucial to like me not being super depressed and I'm like really scared about that like that's what I'm most scared about and so I want to do something that um like I want to commit to something and give myself a job basically and I think the best way to do that is like take on another podcast because I don't love (laughs) I kind of look at the podcast as doing it as a job because like it is it is a labor (laughs) Like, I like doing it, and I love the responses I get, and I love the people that listen, but, like, it it takes time. Like, I have to, (laughs) I have to actually work at it, you know what I'm saying? So, I definitely um, think that maybe doing, like, a limited series podcast will be good and helpful for me. Um, But, yeah, Feathers in My Hair is going to go on as usual. Bonus episodes are going to go on as usual. This is not me, like, leaving a network or anything like that. Uh, I just... Also, like, once I'm working again, like, I won't have time to do two podcasts is the reality. Like, I, I've i had so many people be like, do another podcast, do another podcast. And I'm like, I don't think people understand that, like, I have a full-time job. And, like, I, like, I can't do another podcast. Like, emotionally, I don't... Like, I just emotionally, like, don't have the energy to work my job, have a life, do all my shit, do this podcast and do another podcast, so maybe I should just strike on it while I have the time, and I think it would give me something to do, and it would be good, and yeah, so I'm just going to try and figure out life laid off. I'm sure a lot of people listening, uh, maybe 20% of listeners, because <laughs> they say that's what the unemployment rate's going to be, 20%, um, which is terrifying, are in the same place. So yeah, sorry if this is like a bummer. I don't, I don't know. My life is kind of a bummer right now. I'm like not sure how to pretend like it's not like we're like not in a global pandemic but yeah that's uh that's the facts check I don't know guys bear with me okay on a lighter note (laughs) I love you guys (laughs) no one be worried for me I'll be okay as long as I don't get high I'll be okay talked to my dad yesterday and we had like a really great conversation I don't know how much you talked about it but like Everyone in my family is in recovery, basically, except my brother, who literally has drank, like, two times in his life. And my dad and I had a really good 12-step-based conversation, and basically, he was like, as long as you don't get high, like, you don't have anything to worry about. So, that's my plan. Just don't get high no matter what. Um, Janelle posted, like, reshared something on Facebook. Reshared. Shared something on Facebook. And I just want to say that my favorite Janelle is a Janelle that shares shit like this. It says, I'm a full-time mom, okay? Full-time in all caps. Which means I can only go somewhere when my child is situated. Situated? I can only talk on the phone when my child is at peace. I can't even eat, sleep, shit, dot, dot, until my child is good first. Only some real parents will understand. (laughs) That is absolutely my favorite Janelle is her sharing like wild takes on how good of a parent she is (laughs) like oh yeah Janelle definitely relates to that she'll only go somewhere if her child is situated first of all what idiot wrote that (laughs) 
Oh God. I my favorite Janelle is just sharing her sharing posts about like bashing fake parents, like not acknowledging that she's a fake parent. I mean, fake is a silly word to use there, but uh Janelle I love it. Oh, one more thing I want to complain about. Uh, I broke a nail and I fucking miss getting my nails done. <laughs> I just want to go get my nails done. <laughs> I'm like the epitome of first world problems. I know, but I'm a spoiled baby. <laughs> and not being a spoiled baby is really hard. Anyway, I love a Janelle that just like shares wild shit. Um, I would say that everything has been pretty quiet on the Team Mom gossip front. I feel like everything's been tired on the tired. Everything's been quiet on the Team Mom gossip front for a while. I still check in, like I still am looking at everything, but I'm just not seeing stuff that like sparks my interest as much. I don't know if I'm moving on from Team Mom. I don't think I am. I think I still deeply care about Team Mom, and unfortunately, for for better or for worse, this is my fandom. But nothing is, like, really sparking my interest. Once again, the, like, incessant, I I can't speak today. The rampant, I'll use that word, the rampant kale hate is just, like, so overwhelming to me that it, like, squashes out all interesting conversation and it just becomes hate, 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 which, as I've talked about one million times, I just don't find interesting. So, kale is still pregnant. I guess she's dating some new guy, which, like, okay. But nothing really interesting is going on, like, at all. It's been all quiet on the Western front. So, I don't know, maybe Janelle will announce a pregnancy soon. Oh, she's, like, fully, fully back with David. Like, fully posting about how much she loves her land. She posted yesterday about how she had to go pick up David's script for him. Like, fully, totally all in on David. Which, like, I think, as we all knew was gonna happen, I can hear myself, like, the sentences I'm saying don't make sense. Is it all? I think it's always like that, but I feel like I'm in like this hyper aware state right now and can like really hear what I'm saying doesn't make sense. Um, I think we all knew that Janelle was going to be admitting to being back with David. I think what she's doing is like this slow trickle where she like posts how much she loves her land, posts how she's going to pick up meds for David, but like, oh, like we'll call herself Janelle Eason again instead of instead of Janelle Evans, but, like, won't fully say, like, I love David and he's my husband and we're back together, I think that will probably come within the next two weeks. Like, that's my husband. It's very sad. It's very, very sad. Um, The idea of them all being, well, I guess they're kind of always, like, quarantined. I don't think they, like, go out and do stuff a lot. I guess I am jealous of her because she has a pool and, like, a lot of land to roam around on that other people aren't on. So, like, cool for her. But... I don't know. I, it's just, ugh, it's just a mess. I really, I feel so sad for those kids. Oh, something fun is that Nate has been posting, like, a lot on Instagram suddenly. He posts, oh, I screenshotted something, and then I forgot to post it on my Instagram. I want to look at it right now and examine it. Okay, he posted, like, a, a question, you know, how you can do, like, a question on Instagram. You can write answers in, like, how I do my AMAs. And it said, unless you're in high school... Who use, comma, so unless he used the right your, unless you are in high school, comma, who uses the word ew for a choice of words other than food? I'd like, I'm guessing that's a dig at Ashley. Maybe he doesn't like, maybe Ashley says the word ew a lot and he doesn't like it. 
I saw that and was like, what could that possibly mean? Let's see if he still has it up. Because, nope, it's not up anymore. Nate loves to delete. Um, He has been commenting and, like, posting and going live and doing a lot of stuff on social media. And somebody pointed out that, which I thought was really true and right, that they think that he is ramping up his social media engagement so that he can start doing more Instagram ads and get more money from his Instagram, which I think is totally true. Nate has, like, never really uh, done a big Instagram presence. Like, he's always kind of been on and off. He posts stuff and deletes it, and he doesn't get, like, a ton of comments and likes compared to everybody else. Like, this picture he posted, uh, like, a couple months ago only has 730 likes, which is... I mean, essentially nothing, especially considering he has 35,000 followers. That means that he's not coming up on the algorithm a lot. So he definitely, I think, is ramping up his presence because he knows T-Mom is gone and he needs some more money, would be my guess. So look out for Nate's Instagram. I've been reposting a lot of his shit on my Instagram. Um, I'm still fascinated by Ashley and how she's just pretending like everything with her and Nate is like so lovely and great. And I don't know how she can manage to publicly post stuff and just not be so embarrassed, but she does. So yeah, that's it for Nate. That's it for Janelle. Who else? Kale. Yeah. Kale's still getting the hate. Apparently she's sitting some guy, but I just don't care that much. Leah's still self-quarantining. I take back what I said about Leah not being prepared because apparently she does deeply care about Allie being immune suppressant and they've been self-isolating at home. So like proud, proud, proud of you, Leah. Chelsea is building her new house. Now, remember when Chelsea bought that land and on TV she said, we're not going to build here for years. And I said that they will break land by this spring. Yeah, I would like an I told you so dance issued. There's no fucking way that they were just going to buy land and sit on it. Like, no. Chelsea has wanted out of that house she's lived in since it got broken into. And now she's going to build the home of her dreams. Now, the thing that I think is funny is that, as I think everybody knows, Chelsea's gone full, like, Instagram influencer. I think, ideally, she would like to be, like, a YouTube vlogger. But I don't think she has the creativity or, uh, like, work ethic to do that because... I know this seems counterintuitive to, like, when you watch a vlog and it has no plot, no action, the editing's not even that good. You're like, this doesn't take any work at all. But actually, to film your life every day or even post a video once a week does take a pretty good amount of work, which is why you see so many celebs of varying fame level start YouTube channels and then stop doing YouTube channels because filming yourself constantly is actually quite a lot of work. It's the same as like podcasting. We've talked about it is that like a bunch of people will start podcasts and they stop doing podcasts because guess what? It like sucks and it's hard to record a podcast every week. You're like, oh, well, I don't want to fucking do this. (laughs) This actually isn't that fun. I thought I would like doing this because it's no work, but surprise, it takes a lot of emotional energy, even if it's not what we would consider hard work. Like, I wouldn't compare it to, like, somebody going to a construction job every day and doing manual labor or, like, a server on their feet for 14-hour shifts, like, or a teacher or a nurse. Like, I would never say it's similar work, but it's hard in its own way that people, in my opinion, really underestimate. So I think Chelsea just, like, doesn't have the drive to be a YouTube vlogger, even though I think that's what she's kind of styling herself off of. And so she started an Instagram to document the process of building her dream home. It's like Deborah at home or something it's called. I honestly haven't followed it. I don't really care about much. 
But I do think it's interesting that Chelsea, who is, like, kind of about privacy and doesn't want, like, her home online and had her home broken into, like, is now just going to, like, put every detail of her new house on the internet. That seems... It seems not smart to me, as I've talked about on this show. If I was a celebrity, I would buy a house in an LLC. I would have my lawyer be the register agent on the LLC. My name wouldn't be anywhere in that fucking LLC. Uh, You would not be able to find my house, like, via simple property searches. I'd be very careful. I mean, obviously, like, if where there's a will, there's a way. And if people want to figure out where your house is, they will. But, like, I don't ever, if I ever had any sort of, like, fame or notoriety, I would not post like I wouldn't let them show my house on TV the outside of my house I wouldn't be posting it on Instagram I would be pretty like I've seen YouTubers who won't even film um like the back of their home that shows like their back windows because they don't want people to be able to see their backyard because people use backyards like figure out where you live and I can understand and respect, like, that level of, like, privacy when it comes to, like, you live a public life, but you want to have safety and security and privacy. And I find it interesting that Chelsea is, like, kind of presenting like she wants that. But then at the same time, it's, like, clear that she wants that Instagram influencer life more. So she's, like, more interested in, like, posting her Instagram of, like, building this new house. Wow, I'm in a negative mood today. <laughs> I'm sure people who are listening are like, bitch, you're literally always negative. That's what your podcast is. And for that, I would say touche. Oh, uh, one last thing before I get into recapping this week's OG. Uh, Please keep sending me DMs of Ask Me Anything messages. And this podcast is going to come out Sunday morning, of course. I want to record an AMA on Sunday at some point, probably. If not Monday morning, but probably on Sunday. So I'm going to... Post on my feathers underscore pod insta stories a AMA box so you guys can keep asking. Uh, I just think it's really fun and I hope you guys like them. And if you don't, you don't have to listen. That's a great thing that these regular episodes are still going to come out. So yeah, that's it. In conclusion, <laughs> life is really hard, but we're all going to get through it. Okay, let's go on to the new episode of Team Mom OG right after a quick break. Where should we start? I mean, I guess we start with Amber. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess we start with Amber because they kind of loop-de-looped the other OG mom's reactions except for Mackenzie. (laughs) Poor Mackenzie. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. You know what I mean. So it starts off being three months since the arrest and we find out that Amber is pleading guilty. She's proud of how she's handled everything, which is insane. It's really, really insane. Um, I think that MTV is handling this in almost the worst way possible, I would say. There is nothing redeemable in the way that they've handled this. I think the fact, I understand that Andrew didn't necessarily want to be on camera, so I'm not saying that they should have shown Andrew's side because he didn't really want to participate, But I don't really understand why they didn't direct one of the cast members to, like, show a differing viewpoint. Because I really doubt they were all on Amber's side. Like, am I really supposed to believe that Corey and Cheyenne are, like, strongly Team Amber and just hate Andrew? I don't believe that. I think that they should have made Corey 
who said despicable things. They should have made Corey like a voice of reason. I think they want people to like Corey anyway. So I'm not sure why they didn't just tell Corey to like push back against what Cheyenne was saying. Because I think we as the audience kind of think that Corey and Cheyenne are more reasonable than the rest of the cast, right? At least that's how I feel. So I was pretty shocked to hear their opinions on this. And I think that MTV would have been better off having them play the like devil's advocate position the fact that this episode is just like the whole cast kind of rallying around amber was really tone deaf i think that mtv really missed a um opportunity to show to make some drama first of all and to show that they don't agree with amber uh because i in my heart don't believe that mtv is like on Amber's side or, like, thinks Amber was right or, like, agrees with what Amber did, I think that Amber is just one of their stars, so, like, they're gonna give her a better edit, but I don't see why they can't also, like, show us a flip side. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense, what I'm trying to say. But, basically, Amber says, Gary comes over to talk, and I just want to say on record, truly fuck Gary and Christina. Like, truly fuck them. They're enabling her every fucking step of this way. There is no accountability. Don't even come into my fucking Instagram comments with, Gary and Christina just need to do what's best for Leah, and they need to keep Amber close to them so they can know the truth for Leah's sake. That's not fucking reality. They know exactly what happened to Andrew. In fact, Gary and Christina saw Andrew with a bloody fucking nose in August, like 10 months before this arrest happened, after she punched him in the face on the way to Leah's first day of school. (laughs) Yeah, the first day of school that Amber always goes to the year before she punched Andrew in the face beforehand, while he was driving with their baby in the car. Um, So please, like, don't get it twisted that Gary and Christina are some, like, patron saints of, like, Oh, they're just doing this for Leah and they're so supportive. No, the reason they're supporting her is because Amber is their income. Like, I need people to fully realize this, that Gary and Christina don't have jobs. <laughs> like, Gary is a volunteer deputy sheriff. Uh, have I ranted about this? The fact that in America you can just, like, volunteer for and, like, take, like, a 10-hour course and look like Gary and then get a fucking gun? Okay, sure. That's great. What am I saying? Oh, so Gary and Christina don't have jobs. Gary owns some rental properties. Yes, we've talked about this on the, they talked about this on the show. He owns, I believe, two or three rental properties, which like, fair enough, that's probably a decent passive income, but the reality is, is that he lives in Anderson, Indiana, which probably does not have high rents, would be my guess. We saw Jade's rent in Indianapolis was $900 for that like two bedroom house that they had. So I doubt his rental properties generate a ton of income, like enough to support a family of five on, because don't forget, they have three kids between them that live with them. So I, plus I wonder if Christina has to pay child support because her uh, ex has primary custody. Now the daughter spends a lot of time with Christina and Gary, but I wonder if Gary, or if Christina has to pay child support. So like, don't get it twisted here. Gary may make, like, some money and, like, do okay on his rental properties, and I'm not knocking his rental properties, but, like, Gary and Christina don't work. They don't have a lot of income to keep them in the life they're accustomed to. If you notice the very nice truck that Gary was driving in this episode, that huge house that they have. I mean, the house, whatever. It's not huge, huge. It's not, they're not living in a mansion, but that really big property they have. I'm sure Christina has a nice minivan, I think that they live 
uh, at or below their means compared to a lot of the other T-Mom stars. As we've heard, they, you know, they buy stuff on clearance. Their kids' clothes come from, like, Walmart and Old Navy. They're not flashy people. Um, But let's not get it twisted that they have a major income outside of Teen Mom that we're aware of. So, Gary and Christina need Amber to stay on this fucking show. And they need to keep filming with her so that they get their paycheck because they only get paid for episodes that they're in. And Gary is going to be in every episode that he can be in because he needs a paycheck. They're not going to cut Amber off because if they cut Amber off, they're in way less scenes. Maybe they'd get, you know, an episode, like maybe they'd get a scene every other episode. But like, as of now, Gary is probably the most featured dad right on this show like we get a lot of time with Gary and it's because Amber doesn't really do anything but if Gary and Amber like stop speaking I think that Gary would definitely get a lot less scenes and I think that Gary and Christina's number one concern when all of this shit comes out is that Amber's gonna get fired and if Amber gets fired Gary and Christina get fired um as we've seen from Janelle getting fired as we've seen from Farrah getting fired like I think that people want to believe that, well, fire Amber, but still follow Gary, but that's not what's going to happen. MTV has shown us, I mean, I guess they could always change their minds, but from what we see, like, MTV, once the mom is fired, everybody in her universe is fired, and they don't come back, which in my opinion has always been, like, that's the right choice to make. I said that would happen if they fired Janelle, like, they weren't going to give... So many people online were like, give Barbara the spot, give Barbara the spot. And I'm like, they're not giving Barbara the spot. Like, Barbara is not getting Janelle's spot. That's never going to happen. And it didn't happen. And Gary's not getting Chris or Amber's spot. So Gary and Christina, like, cuddle up next to Amber to be like, to show the fans and to show MTV, like, don't fire Amber. Like, we forgive Amber. We're good people. So, like, by association, you think Amber's a better person and we can keep our jobs. Now, do I think that makes Gary and Am- Gary and Christina bad people? I mean, I understand why they're doing it. Like, I, I understand. As somebody who was literally laid off yesterday, I understand doing what you can to keep your job. But at the same time, like, nobody's forcing them just to have, you know, reality TV jobs. And the real like the reality of the situation i use reality too many times in that sentence that's why i just stumbled over that i think the reality of the situation is that like i would not feel bad if gary and christina lost this income because amber was fired like it'd be like oh that sucks like i'd feel bad for them on in a moral empathetic moral's not the right guys i'm all fucked up today i would feel bad for them on a human level because it sucks anytime anyone loses their job but, like, if you get fired from your reality TV show, like, it, it's hard to feel that bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard, like, it's just, it's hard to feel that bad. I don't know if this makes me a hypocrite because I feel bad for myself right now for getting fired. But, like, nothing is stopping from Gary and Christina from just, like, going getting normal jobs. They're able-bodied adults who are smart ish, I guess, and normal people, and they actually don't have a ton of notoriety, especially, like, Christina. They don't have, like, the baggage that Janelle and David have. Like, they definitely, or Amber, like, Amber's not going to be able to go get a normal job, but, like, Gary and Christina could easily go get normal jobs, and so it's not like they would be cut off from ever being able to make money again, right? So, I just feel like 
I understand why they're doing it, but I don't believe they're doing it from like, uh, we want to support Leah or we want to support Leah's mom or we want to be close to the situation so we can get the real information, which is something that I've seen, an idea I've seen floated. They're doing this to keep their jobs and to continue to get paid. And that's, you know, that is what it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Am I making any sense? Amber talks to Gary and says her number one regret is not walking out of the house that night, which, sure, I agree with her. She should have walked out of the house that night, but what about all the other times she hit Andrew and abused Andrew? Um, I want to say that I don't think Andrew is some perfect victim. I think most victims of domestic violence are not perfect victims. I'm not ignoring Andrew's history of his own stalking and domestic violence. I'm not ignoring that at all. Uh, I'm not ignoring the fact that, like, maybe he manipulated her at times, or maybe he gaslit her at times, or maybe he was emotionally abusive to her at times. I'm not denying that, uh, and I've always thought that way, and you guys know from the time that Andrew came on the scene and we learned his history and we'd watch him on the show, I'd be like, just something is weird about Andrew. I know he seems like a good guy, but his history makes me really wary of him, and I absolutely still feel that way, but I believe in my heart that Amber's a domestic abuser and beats the shit out of her partners. I believe she beat the shit out of Matt, but he never called the police so that we never found out about it. We know she beat the shit out of Gary. I just believe that she was the main abuser, the main aggressor, and the main person who caused harm in their relationship. I'm not excusing Andrew's past. I'm not excusing all of Andrew's behavior, but I am on Andrew's side when it comes to this. I think that I have been this way since the arrest happened. Um, I don't think that makes me saying that is not me saying like, I think Andrew is a good guy. (laughs) It just means that like kind of how I'm on like the side of Janelle when it comes to Janelle and David, even though I also believe that like Janelle probably like does her fair share in the relationship. And we know what Janelle's history is and we know how Janelle treats her partners as well. But I still believe David is the primary abuser. That's kind of how I feel about uh, Amber and Andrew. So for Amber to say, like, my number one regret is not walking out the door that night. Sure, of course. Like, she should have left the house. Like, that's what she should have done. She should have left the house. Which, by the way, I've seen a lot of people online, like, why should she have left her house? Like, that wasn't her house. She can say all she wants that it was her house and she paid all the bills there or whatever. But once you invite a partner to move in with you and then you have a child together in that home, it's both of your houses. Like, it's not her house. It was their house. And she should have left because she was the one being abusive. (laughs) And he's the one who is the primary caretaker of their child who was in the home. But it just shows such a lack of accountability and connection from Amber that that is her number one regret. A person I think that was able to be genuinely reflective over this situation would have said, my number one regret was how toxic this relationship was and my behavior in this relationship leading up to that night. This night was accumulation of a very unhealthy relationship. And the fact that we let it, even if she isn't taking 100% accountability, that she wouldn't say like, you know, it just had been bad. It had been really bad, and we should have broken up six months before that happened. And the fact that we didn't, and we stayed, and I stayed in a relationship that was getting to that level of abuse is really scary. And I'm really uh, disappointed in myself, because I know that I need to end these relationships before they get to a physically abusive point. But Amber doesn't seem to have any sort of that self-reflection, and seems to only believe that that one particular night is a problem. Now, I'm interested to see how they show these recordings in the future. 
we get like a this season on Teen Mom and Amber's like, those recordings made me upset. And I'm sure she's going to edit or argue that they were edited. And I'm sure they are. I'm sure, like, I don't find it hard to believe that Andrew, like, might have edited himself saying some shit out. But the reality is, it's like, he didn't edit what she said. And we know that she's the one who's arrested. She's the one that put her hands on him. She's the one that, like, was screaming about the baby and how much she didn't want a baby on, like, on video. Or not video, on recording. Um, I personally don't have a problem with him recording. I've seen a lot of people say, like... Why was Andrew recording? Why was Andrew recording? Why was Andrew recording? He baited her into these so he could record her. Why would he stay after he recorded her? But to me, like, I understand why victims record stuff and then don't leave right away. They do it so when they finally are able to leave, they have proof of what happened because people don't believe them. Um, Especially, like, in a situation like Amber and Andrew. So Amber's line about what happened that night is there are, and I wrote this down verbatim, I'm pretty sure. There are limits to somebody with mental health disorders. There's only so much someone like me can handle and people like me can understand that. Okay. I want to get into this because it's... (sighs) On one hand, like, she's not wrong. There are limits to what people can take, Uh, especially someone that has borderline personality disorder that is a uh, volatile disorder, most people with borderline personality disorder end up hurting themselves. They don't end up hurting other people. But some people with borderline personality disorder do. They have mental health issues. It's a mental health issue that makes you more destructive. And most people, it's inward, but some people, it's outward. That's not an excuse. It's an explanation. So yes, there are limits to how far a person who has such severe mental health issues as Amber is can be pushed. But The issue with Amber is that instead of saying, and so I should have removed myself from the relationship when it started to escalate to these type of fights, no. Her thing is like, well, he pushed me to be that way. What really Amber needs to say and needs to understand if she ever wants to have any sort of healthy relationship, which we all know she won't. Speaking of, I wonder if that Dutch guy, he's Dutch, right? I wonder if that guy is still in her house. <laughs> I wonder if that European guy is still around. Remember him? We Amber's not really on social media anymore, so we don't know. I'll be interested in that. Um oh, so like the re- the accountable way to say what Amber had to say was, I'm a person who has a history of extreme anger. I'm a person who has a history of physically abusing my partners. I'm also a person that suffers from a personality disorder as well as bipolar disorder. I don't think bipolar is a personality disorder, right? I think they're different. Um, I'm also a person who suffers from bipolar disorder. I also have extreme depression and anxiety and addiction issues. I have a lot of issues. So, One, I shouldn't be rushing into relationships and I probably shouldn't be getting into relationships at all um, until I've been able to get into a place of like stability on my own and being able to manage on my own because I've never really done that because I jump from relationship to relationship. That should be number one. Two, I should have realized when my mental health was really deteriorating and Andrew and I were starting to fight a lot that we needed to end our relationship and I should have asked him to move out of my apart or move out of my house at that point. Um, the fact that like 
I let this fester, this toxic relationship fester for so long, knowing my history, my mental illnesses, my drug addiction issues all usually result in me being physically violent. Um, The fact that I stayed in this relationship and allowed this relationship to continue is really bad. And I'm really scared that I let it get there. And I'm really scared about what that means about my progress and what it means for relationships for the rest of my life. Like there are ways to express what Amber is saying in a way that you also take accountability. And I think people really struggle with this because there are, like I just said, like there's a difference between justifying and explaining. Because I think it would be silly if we sat here and said that Amber's mental health and drug addiction issues had nothing to do with what she did to Andrew. Because that is why she acts the way that she acts. Not saying all people with mental health issues uh, act this way. As you all know, I have mental health issues because I just cried at the beginning of this podcast because I'm really scared about my mental health. (laughs) Like, I have a lot of mental health issues. I'm not saying all people with mental health issues commit domestic violence, but what I am saying is that that is obviously a manifestation of Amber's. And like for Amber, it is a manifestation of her mental health and in my opinion, her drug addiction issues, which we're just magically not talking about and we like never talk about the fact that Amber is like a major uh, drug addict and alcoholic and nobody seems to care about me. (laughs) I seem to be the only person who gives a fuck about Amber's uh, sobriety or lack thereof. So I... I think that it would be really, as I said, silly to talk about this situation and not talk about what is going on in her brain chemistry that makes her behave this way. Of course, we need to talk about that. But what is missing in the way that Amber talks about this is accountability, treatment, and action. She just is like, well, this is who I am and that's how I behave. So like, he shouldn't back this way to me because uh, I have mental health issues and anybody that does will understand. Like, if you're a person like me, you understand. Well, no, Amber. What you need to be doing is like, here's what went wrong. Here's why it went wrong. And here's how I need to fix it and what I need to be doing to fix this. And I understand that it's kind of a catch-22 because part of the reason that she can't do that is because of her mental health issues. And that's the hardest thing about having mental health issues is that not only do you behave a certain way oftentimes, but you are unable to have the self-awareness to reflect. And that's hard. And I do have empathy for Amber when it comes to that. Although she has so many resources and so many opportunities to check herself into a long-term mental health facility where they specialize in borderline personality disorder and DBT. As I've said, she can go to Shepherd's Proud in Baltimore and pay thousands and thousands of dollars to stay there for six weeks or whatever their program is and like not get better, but actually like get real resources. That talk therapy that we saw with her child psychiatrist on TV isn't doing shit. Her medicine isn't going to save her. She needs serious behavioral therapeutic like intervention. And the fact that she is so resistant to it is where the empathy wanes. And it's where the frustration begins. And it's why hearing her talk about her mental health over and over again is like, shut the fuck up and do something about it. Ugh, Amber, God, she just is so annoying. So we get a four-month flashback. And I was really confused in the timeline because then I thought... (laughs) 
I don't know. <laughs> was I the only one who thought this? That then after we saw this, they never said like present day. So I figured the rest of the episode was happening like in July. Because remember, she was arrested the night of July 4th. So it's like, why is everybody dressed in sweatpants? It looks cold. I was like, I thought we were in July. I didn't realize we were just getting a quick flashback and then going back to October. Or whenever. I think it was October. Because I looked up when um Jagger's birthday was. So I'm guessing it's like September, October for most of these people. Oh, yeah. Because Leo goes back to school. So it's between September and October. We know the timelines are like never that accurate between segments. Um, So we get a shot. Four months earlier, Macy calls Caitlin and is like, girl, did you see this? And they're like, yeah, girl, that's so sad. And then we get a shot of Andrew and his house that he shared with Amber. And then... I thought it was really funny. They show Amber's rental house and then they show Amber in a, like Amber's rental house looks just like a dinky little house. Like I'm sure it's fine, but it's nothing special. And then when they do show Amber again inside Amber's rental house, she's clearly sitting in a very nice hotel. (laughs) So stupid. So Kate and Tyler are talking and Tyler and Kate are both worried. Macy tells Taylor and Taylor, I think Taylor has the most accurate reaction where he's like, oh, wow. He's like, well, when we were all together, like, everything seemed fine. I thought Taylor's reaction was good because he wasn't, like, I understand them not being like, fuck Amber right away. Like, I I can understand on film them not being like, yo, go, Amber can go fuck herself. Um, But I also felt it was good that he kind of just, like, stayed neutral. Then we get Cheyenne and Corey talking, and Cheyenne's like, I talked to Amber. It's just like a bunch of crazy shit. And they're talking about how that tall man or that giant man is trying to keep the baby away from Amber and how that's not right and how baby needs its mother. And it's like, did you guys watch any of the previous seasons of Teen Mom? Like, do you know anything about Amber? Like, what the fuck? I couldn't believe that. Um, I would, I'm surprised I didn't see more heat for Corey, like obviously on the Reddit, but I'm surprised Maybe I just missed it. Maybe I need to go investigate some Facebook comments. I thought what Corey said was, like, truly disgusting. The lack of empathy for Andrew was alarming. It was upsetting. The idea that every baby needs its mother. Like, not if the mother tries to attack the father by holding the baby. Um, You know, at that point, maybe not all of the information had been out. But considering what we know about Amber and what we've seen her do on camera... I can't imagine your response being anything other than, like, wow, I just feel bad for James, and, like, that's really sad. I hope Andrew's okay. Like, that's why I don't get, like, it's so easy. It's so easy, even if you don't believe it, to sit there while MTV is recording you and to be like, wow, like, that's sad for Amber. It's really sad that she's, like, in such a dark place, and I'm just so sad for Andrew. I just really wish that Andrew like, is okay. I really hope Andrew is okay. And I, like, hope that they're able to figure out everything with co-parenting and stuff in court. Like, that's all you have to say. And the fact that these cast members seem so unable to do so just shows their stupidity, to be honest. I think it's at this point they flashed a current time. But as I said, I was quite confused on the timeline. Maybe I just wasn't really paying attention. Maybe I'm an idiot. All things possible. So Amber is laying in her hotel room, as I said. She's talking to a producer, and the producer's like, do you miss Andrew? And she's like, no, fuck him. Uh, Amber says Andrew's on a level of something I've never discovered in my life. (laughs) She's like, you're taking me for every single thing I've worked for in my life to the point of my son. Basically, she's pissed that Andrew wants, like, child support. 
you know. And she said her lawyers are telling her to be quiet and that she specifically says she's at war with Andrew. Once again, like, not a good phrase. (laughs) Not a good phrase to use when you are accused of domestic assault to say that you're at war with someone. So the drama of this episode is that it's Leah's first day of school and Amber isn't sure if she should go. Uh, She talks to Gary about it and she's like, my character has been completely trashed. Once again, no accountability whatsoever. Your character hasn't been trashed. Like, the behavior that you did has resulted in consequences. (laughs) Your character's always been trashed, bitch. Like, no one's ever thought you were a good person. That, I I think it's very hard for Amber because she has a lot of narcissistic tendencies and thinks of herself as someone who's saved lives, as she often likes to scream in her lives. So I think she's having a hard time with any negativity. Gary is like, I understand, but you really should come to Leah's first day of school. So she decides to go. Leah seems mostly disinterested in Amber. And Amber can't stop talking about the anxiety that Leah has. Now, do I think Leah has anxiety? Yes, of course. Last season, right, we talked all about her panic attacks and how she was getting panic attacks and all the issues that she was having. Um, I think it would be almost impossible For Leah not to have some mental health stuff going on, her ACE score is very high, as we've talked about, her adverse childhood experiences. Um, She checks off, like, literally almost all of the boxes, I believe. So I've I've done it on this. I've added hers up from just from what we know on MTV, and it's quite, quite high. She has separated parents. She has uh, seen domestic violence. She had a parent go to prison. Like, she has a lot of, she has a lot of adverse childhood experiences. So, of course, I would imagine that she has some anxiety issues. We know she has anxiety issues. But I kind of wonder if Amber is projecting feelings onto Leah. Like, I don't know. She seemed fine to me (laughs) in this episode. Like, obviously, I don't know her. I wasn't there. I only see what MTV shows us. But Amber going on and on about how anxious Leah was and upset Leah was. It's like, okay, like, I think she just seemed like a normal fifth grader. Like, she just seemed fine. And I think that Amber is projecting a lot of her shit onto Leah, which is concerning. But thankfully, Amber doesn't have any sort of uh, parental power over Leah, you know? Uh, I don't know. I just, I feel awful for Leah. I hope they did get her into counseling. She probably really needs it. I can't imagine her not needing it. So yeah, that's it for Amber. I know I talked about the fact that I didn't want to watch new OG episodes and I was boycotting it right when it came out that Amber was still on and I was angry, but let's be real. Even when I said that, I was like, I don't know if I'm really going to stick with this. And obviously I didn't stick with it. I think it will be interesting from a viewer's perspective to see how they handle this going forward. But just because it's interesting doesn't mean I condone it. Okay, let's go on to quickly Cheyenne. I want to just quickly talk about Kate, Cheyenne, and Macy because, in my opinion, like, nothing that interesting happened. Um, Cheyenne, I'm having trouble with her storyline. I still am having trouble with Cheyenne and Corey on this show. I... I just, like, don't care. Like, I really, I don't care. Like, Matt moves to L.A. and he, like, pretends like he has a roommate situation. And then he's like, oh, well, that fell through, so we're going to have to move in together. And Cheyenne's like, well, I don't want to move in. 
and Matt is, like, upset and confused. Um, okay? Like, can we talk about the fact that Matt and Cheyenne go to look at an apartment that is $3,600 a month? I'm like, who is paying for that? Like, I'm sure Cheyenne gets paid well between social media and MTV. Like, maybe Cheyenne could afford it, but am I supposed to believe that Matt can afford that on his own? What does Matt do? I thought Matt was like a SoundCloud rapper. What Did I make that up? What does Matt do for a living? How is he looking in apartments that cost $3,600? I also love that Cheyenne's like, yeah, I can't move out because I live with my sister in a house. Like, Cheyenne can just, like, move out when she wants. Like, her and her sister split the rent and the bills. It just seemed very weird and fake. Also, like, it made my opinion of Matt quite low to move out to L.A. and kind of just spring on Cheyenne, like, that they should live together. When Cheyenne has said that she didn't want to live with him. I understood his point that he was like, you've been talking so much about marriage and babies and wanting to move forward, but now you don't want to live with me. But I'm on Cheyenne's side that she doesn't want to live with a guy unless they're in, like, a serious relationship, basically, or engaged. I feel the same way. Like, the older I get, the less likely I feel like I want to live with someone unless I'm, like, going to be with that person forever. Like, I'm not interested in a roommate, and I totally get what Cheyenne was saying there. That's really all that happened with Cheyenne. I just... I was fine to watch, I guess, but it just doesn't feel like it fits in with the show, like... Them going to look at $3,600 apartments is like, it's just, first of all, that's fake. There's a level of fakeness, I think, to Matt and Cheyenne that is making it less authentic and fit in on this show. And I've kind of always, like, I've, I've always said this, that I think Corey and Cheyenne are interesting and would be interesting in their own show. And about, it would be about them, like, co-parenting and being MTV stars. And I think that it, they don't need Teen Mom. And I stand by that. Okay, so Kate and Tyler, this was tough. I really need Kate and Tyler to get a divorce. (laughs) I have never seen a couple less physically attracted to each other than Kate and Tyler. And I know everybody talks about how Tyler's not into Kate, but I'm sorry, like, Kate doesn't seem into Tyler either. She seems like she's putting in the motions and she tells herself how much she loves Tyler. But, like, does she... I don't think she does. Like, when I see Tyler look at Kate, he looks, like, so disinterested. And when Kate looks at Tyler, she looks at him like a friend. Like, Tyler doesn't seem like he even wants to be friends with Caitlyn at this point. But, like, Kate doesn't, like, she seems like she just likes Tyler as, like, her close friend. Like, they don't, I can't believe how little the sexual chemistry is there. And I guess it's always been that way. It's surprising that they even had Veda, to be honest. Like, I'm surprised that they even had sex at least once to have Veda. So, Kate surprises Tyler with a trip to Hawaii, which is nice. Uh, There's a really weird moment where Kate presents this to him in the form of a card. And Tyler starts, like, yelping. Like, a card? You got me a card? I got a card? Oh, my God, you got me a card? And I'm like, why is he acting so... Like, is his life that sad and pathetic that he, like loses his fucking mind over Caitlyn getting him a card. Like, what is going on here? So, they go to Hawaii. Caitlyn is like, I really felt like I had to do this for you. And Tyler goes, why? (laughs) When Tyler's response to Caitlyn saying that she worked really hard to plan the trip because she really felt like she owed it to him was why? I was like, 
Oh my god. These two are so beyond doomed. I, like, the fact that Tyler's immediate response wasn't like, I appreciate this so much. Like, I'm so proud of you. You've, like, you've made such a turnaround. Like, things are getting so much better with us. I'm so glad and grateful that you planned this and we really had a chance to reconnect and, you know, get to, like, be with each other just as a couple and not as parents and not as a caretaker. Tyler's response being why was quite telling. I just, like, this whole episode with the two of them was so jarring because you could tell Kate was trying so hard. I think... Kate is, like, desperate to convince herself that she's still happy, and Tyler isn't there. He's, like, fooling, like, let's go through the motions because I know I'm not happy, but I also know I'm not leaving Kate because I, like, kind of tried that, and then I didn't, and it didn't work, and I actually, like, don't really want to leave her because I don't know what psychological shit is going on with Tyler that he just, like, won't leave Kate, but I think Kate is still really trying to, like, convince herself that this is what she wants. And that is tough to watch, if you will. (laughs) There's nothing easy about watching someone, like, desperately trying to convince themselves that they love their husband and their husband, like, not even reciprocating that trying that she's doing. I will say... I was actually, like, very impressed with Kate for getting on TV and going surfing in a bathing suit. Getting, like, to be on TV in a bathing suit when everybody talks about how fat you are all the time is, like, very brave. And I think it says a lot about where Kate is mentally that she was kind of willing to be, like, pretty open on this trip and with her body and stuff. And so, like, good for you, Kate. I see you. I recognize it. I think Kate is doing so much better, and I'm, like, genuinely proud of the change that we've seen in Kate in the last year and a half to two years. I am surprised we're at the point where she's, like, actively planning a trip for her and Tyler, and they're, like, doing activities, and she is, like, actively trying to have a relationship with Tyler that is not just him taking care of her. I just think it's, like, very hard to watch because it's so clear that neither one of them wants to be with the other. And I know everybody's like, Tyler wants to leave Kate, Tyler wants to leave Kate, Tyler wants to leave Kate, but I really truly feel in my heart that Kate wants to leave Tyler, too. She's just so fucking scared of abandonment that she can't admit it to herself, and that's why it's so hard to watch because there are two different points in wanting to leave each other, and Kate's still, like, that desperate let's make it work, and Tyler is not. So it just looks like Tyler wants to check out, but I think I think if Kate was able to be honest with herself, she would agree with him. I just really want Kate to leave Tyler. I really just think Tyler is never going to leave Caitlyn. Like, he just will not do it, and she's going to have to be the one to leave him, and I think that she won't do it, so they're just going to be like this together forever, which is awful. So in Hawaii, Caitlyn surprises Tyler with a recommitment ceremony, which... Would have been sweet if Tyler surprised Kate with it, but it's not sweet watching Kate surprise Tyler with it. (laughs) Right? Like, is that how we're all feeling? Like, that was tough to watch. Tyler's response being like, what? (laughs) No, no, no. Just not, not good. Here's the thing, like, recommitment ceremonies coming as a surprise really only work when the person who was more actively eager to leave the relationship is the one who initiates it. (laughs) 
even then it's still like, you know, like we all know how vow renewal ceremonies work on TV. It always means doomsday. But Tyler was just not into it. it. I think Kate was coming from the right place, but it's like, Kate, you don't have to try so hard. Like, you don't need to want this either. I just want me to say to Kate in private, like, Kate, your life is not going to shatter and end if Tyler leaves. It's actually going to be way better. And just let him go. Like, just let him go. And I think, I think she wants to do it, but just can't do it. So the recommitment ceremony was just hard to watch because it was like a brother and sister. They just, the lack of chemistry is, it's alarming. Oh, God, I'm not looking forward to a season of Kate and Tyler. Like, on one hand, I'm rooting for Kate because she's doing so much better. But on the other hand, watching her and Tyler interact is like a full body cringe at all times. Okay, time for Macy. So, it we open with Mackenzie and Ryan out for lunch. They're planning uh, Jagger's birthday party. I guess this means Mackenzie is, like, almost six months pregnant. But I feel like we... Did we find out last season that Mackenzie was pregnant? I genuinely can't remember. I know they announced it on July 4th. But did they announce it on... Yeah, I guess they did. Yeah, okay. I remember they did because they announced they're having a girl. Okay, okay. I'm I'm caught up now. Are you guys all caught up? <laughs> but I don't understand what day this is happening on because Mackenzie's like, I'm going to send them the Evite. But apparently the party is for this Sunday. I'm kind of curious if there's some MTV editing going on here and like how far out it actually was that McKen- or Macy got this evite because for Macy's side it makes it seem like she got the invitation like on Thursday and the party was on Sunday. But I wonder if that's like what really happened that that seemed like some MTV editing. I'm sure it wasn't a full month in advance like Macy wanted it to be. But I'm also not so sure that it happened, like, literal days before the party. That doesn't feel like authentic Mackenzie Edwards to me. I feel like Mackenzie is someone that planned a first birthday party for, like, months in advance. And I find it hard to believe that, like, there wasn't a date set for this party, like, two full months before an invitation sent out, like, a month before. Like, that just doesn't seem like the Mackenzie that we know. Sorry, my dog is going crazy if you can hear her barking in the background because there are children daring to play outside near our house and show joy. And she doesn't like that in a time of quarantine or ever. So Mackenzie sends her the Evite and Macy goes over to her friend's house and is like, I just got invited to Jagger's birthday party. As we all know, Jagger's Bentley's little brother. She said that they are planning on leaving for family vacation this that Saturday and the party is on Sunday. I don't know, guys. I feel like if she really did get the invitation, like, with less than a week, I think that's totally fair to be like, we're leaving on vacation. Like, if they're leaving Saturday morning for this camping trip that is on Sunday. But I think if it was, like, three weeks out, I don't know. Macy does say, like, if they let us know a month in advance and we would just change when we were leaving. And it's like, okay, so, like, you could change when you're leaving. I'm not... I'm on Macy's side. Like, she shouldn't have to change her plans for their poor planning. But at the same time, and I feel this way about a lot of, like, the half-sibling situations on this show, it's like, sometimes, and this sucks, and life isn't fair, and it's not fair that this happens, but Macy's going to have to make certain acquisitions 
like in order for Bentley to have a relationship with his little brother and now his little sister as well that aren't really fair to Macy and the rest of her family, but maybe should be done. And I don't know if I think this should have been one of those times when it happened. I think like overall it's probably fine that she didn't. But I don't know. I guess I don't really know. I guess it's hard for me to fully say because I'm a little confused about this timeline and I'm getting kind of vibes of um, MTV doing some creative editing. Like, I watched this and was not totally convinced by the editing on this scene that Macy was really only told about this party, like, mere days in advance. And I I don't know, like, did she reach out and say, like, we're not going to be there, but, like, on on Friday, could we all get together to celebrate his birthday? Like, it's not fair, but I think it's reality. I also, like, is this a controversial take that I think Macy should drop the restraining order against Ryan? Like, she knows she's going to let it expire anyway. And, like, what is, like, you don't have it because you feel unsafe. You know what I'm saying? Like, the reason she got it was totally legit. Like, you can't call someone and threaten to put a bullet in their head. A hundred percent. But now it's been almost 18 months that they've had the restraining order. If this is October of 2019 that this is filmed. And they got it in May of 2018. And, like, I just don't really understand why she still has it if I kind of believe that like if you get a restraining order and then this person is still very much a part of your life they have like completely followed the restraining order to a T the restraining order is making it more difficult for you to co-parent and you don't feel any sort of genuine fear and it's not actually protecting you from anything like I'm not really sure why she doesn't drop it. Like, she says straight up, like, I'm when it expires, like, Taylor and I need to apologize. Jen and Larry need to apologize. And Ryan and Mackenzie need to apologize. We all need to apologize. We all need to make things right. Which I thought was great. And I was, like, totally on board. And I was like, Macy seemed really mature and great. But I just, I guess I don't really get the point of continuing it if it seems to be making everyone's life more difficult and you don't believe that it's, like, helping you in any way. You know what I mean? Like, like if Mackenzie, like, still has... Here's my thing. If Mackenzie still talks to you a lot for Ryan, if Ryan's parents talk to you for Ryan, I don't really understand why you have it in place at this point in time. I don't know if that's a hot take. I'm not saying, like, she's obligated to drop it, and I think she was very justified in getting it. But I think, like, once you no longer need the restraining order and you still have to co-parent with that person, it seems like maybe you should just drop the restraining order. So, of course, the Edwards family is mad that Bentley won't be there. Uh, They stand in the driveway like they always do and they talk about it. And I will say, though, like, I, I don't know. It seemed at first like Jen and Larry were talking shit on Macy, but then uh, Larry was like, Basically telling Ryan that he needs to work harder with Macy. And that when the restraining order is over, like, he needs to do everything he can to build a better relationship with Macy. And he said, and I thought this was very smart and true, and you can tell Larry's starting to get fed up with Ryan finally. Like, there's going to come a day when Bentley says to you, why don't you try harder? And that is exactly right. He's going to. So it's about time for Ryan to start trying harder Ryan also seemed high as shit in this episode. Did we all notice that? Ryan seemed real high. Okay. 
Let's go into Mackenzie McKee, who came in with a bang. I was like, yes, Mackenzie McKee. Um, word of warning, we're going to have to talk shit on a dead woman. <laughs> I I hate to say it. Them, like, showing this, knowing she's going to die, was, like, really cruel to me by MTV. Like, I am about to have to talk shit on a woman who has recently passed. I don't feel good about it, but I'm not sure how to do this podcast without doing that. Like, it's just what this podcast is. So, Mackenzie McKee. Her and Josh are currently separated because apparently after the episode of them talking about him cheating and he promised he didn't cheat, came out, she got contacted and was like, girl, I was at the bar that night or that person went to Radar or whatever and was like, I was at that bar that night and Josh was definitely hooking up with another woman. Mackenzie feels awful. She doesn't know how to deal with all of this. I definitely feel bad for Mackenzie. I will say, like, my empathy wanes a little bit, like, knowing how long her and Josh have been on and off and how long her and Josh have been doing this bullshit. It's like, okay, enough already. At some point, it's like Kristen Doty and Carter on Vanderpump Rules where you're just like, I don't care. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, when somebody is in, like, a 10-year-long, like, her and Josh toxic relationship, it's like, we get it. We get it. It, it, we get it. So Mackenzie FaceTimes with her sister and she was like, I just don't know what to do. And her, God, Mackenzie's family is just not great. Her sister's like, well, if he cheated, then it's not your fault. But if he didn't, you're kicking him out over accusations and throwing your family away for accusations. My thing is, why is her family acting like this cheating with Josh is like the end all be all and like her and Josh haven't had like a horrific relationship for the entire time that they've known each other and that Josh didn't tell Mackenzie to go kill herself when she had terrible postpartum depression just to make sure she didn't do it in front of the kids and why like her and Josh haven't been separated a million different times like they seem to live in this fantasy world all of them except for Mackenzie apparently (laughs) Where they're like, well, if it's just the cheating, like, you'll get over it. And it's like, no, Josh has never been a good husband, ever. So, like, why would Mackenzie, like, this is just the straw that broke the camel back. Even if he didn't do it, like, who cares? Like, the family should be rejoicing that Mackenzie is finally getting the strength to leave Josh. Instead, they are, like, all up in this religious, like, doctrine that's telling them no divorces, I guess, which is sad and not bashing their religion, but I am bashing the fact that they seem to be pressuring Mackenzie into staying in this really awful relationship that never should have happened. They, Josh and Mackenzie should have been broken up since Gannon was like a year old and she says it in this fucking episode. And it's like, actually, like Mackenzie was kind of like on fucking point in this episode. And I was kind of shocked at her level of clarity and maturity. And it was sad for me that her family was so not supportive. So Josh comes over to talk about it. And Mackenzie's like, my entire life, from the time I was born until now, I've never heard anything from you. You know everything about me. And she asked Josh if if he slept with someone. And Josh mumbles something that Josh needs subtitles, by the way. I can't understand half the things that he says. He basically says that he was inappropriate. And Mackenzie is obviously upset. Josh is like, we need to work on finding ourselves again. (laughs) I was like, what does Josh mean by finding himself? Like, please. What does Josh need to find? Josh then drops the incredible line of, I'm sorry for whatever I did. 
Just what every scorned woman wants to hear. I'm sorry for whatever I did. So, (sighs) Mackenzie goes to see Angie because her parents have been married for 100 years and they're really happy. Angie looks sick. Like, she's so thin. She has no hair. She definitely doesn't look well. And I guess she dies within, because she died right before Christmas, right? And this is probably... September, October, and once again, who know, who knows, but this is within, like, six months of her dying, which is, you know, awful and sad. Here's my thing. What Angie has to say about this is really bad, but I'm also going to criticize Mackenzie here because what Mackenzie says to her mom is correct, and actually, like, it turns out Mackenzie's a feminist hero we didn't know we needed. <laughs> Just kidding. But Mackenzie is doing this thing that I call going to a dry well for a glass of water. I learned that line from Mad Men. (laughs) There's a scene where uh, something happens and Pete wants to call his mom and his wife Trudy is like, why are you going to go to that dry well for a drink? And basically, it's something that I have tried really hard to incorporate in my life, uh, especially when it comes to my dad, who I love very much, but he is who he is. And it's this concept of not going to a person to give you the type of comfort that you know they are incapable of giving you. So when I'm feeling really, I don't know, emotional about something, like I don't go to my dad because he's not an emotional person and he's not the type of person to be like, oh, honey, it's okay. I know you're upset and like, just let me vent. Like, that's just not how he is. So why would I go to him for that? Um, Just like if I want like a certain type of advice, I don't go to my mom because she can't give me that advice. I go to my dad. Like, There are certain people that you, like, you as an adult need to learn, like, who you can go to for what. And then when you go to a person that you know cannot give you the answer or comfort that you want, and then you get upset by it, even if this person is your parent, like, that's kind of on you. And obviously, I'm not talking about, like, if someone is being abusive towards you, but, like, Mackenzie knows how her mom feels about divorce. Mackenzie's mom has tried to keep her with Josh for however many years. Mackenzie's mom, like, clearly doesn't give a fuck if Josh cheated. Mackenzie's mom, like, clearly comes down hard on Mackenzie. Like, Angie is not the person that is going to comfort Mackenzie and tell her that whatever she does, like, I'm going to support and you need to do what's right for you and we totally understand and Josh is in the wrong and you're in the right and you've been such an incredible wife and, like, you can only do what you can do. Like, that's never going to come from Angie and that's clearly what Mackenzie needed and wanted to hear. So why go to Angie? Like, all Mackenzie did there was create a fight, you know? Like, all Mackenzie did there was, like, make herself feel shitty because this person that she wants love and comfort from isn't going to give it to her. When I figured this out, it was, like, a really revolutionary and life-changing thing for me because my whole life was, like, going to people for something I knew they couldn't provide me and then being upset when they couldn't provide me that. And like at that point, it's like that's on me. As a child, of course, it's not on you. But I'm talking about like grown adults. I'm not talking about people in abusive situations. but I'm talking about grown adults whose parents are not perfect, who are just trying to figure out how to have relationships with their parents as an adult where they're not perfect, their parents not perfect. So like how can we best talk and relate to one another? Maybe Mackenzie should be going to Angie when she wants relationship on, like, or wants advice on, like, her relationship with God or parenting or something that she knows Angie is more sympathetic towards her for. For her to go to Angie, of all people, for, like, advice on what to do with Josh when Mackenzie's clearly already made up her mind and clearly knows how her mom feels about divorce just doesn't make sense. Now, 
not defending what Angie said because Angie was such a bitch in this, like, in this conversation. I don't really care if her religious beliefs are not to support divorce. Like, I don't really care about that. That's your religious beliefs. You don't get to impose that on anybody else. That is not how you should be counseling other people. If your daughter is coming to you saying, my husband cheated on me, I'm fucking miserable. I'm, like... I can't do anything in this relationship. You know she has a history of, like, uh, depression and suicide attempts. Like, the fact that you are not just being supportive of her and loving of her and leaving that shit at the door, and by shit I mean, like, the judgmental religious stuff, like, you can have your own belief, like, divorce is not for me. And you don't, like, telling that to your daughter who is in such a desperate situation is so fucked up. Like, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, fuck Angie's response here. But like I said, I just don't understand why Mackenzie would go to her mom in this situation. So basically, Mackenzie goes to talk to her mom and Mackenzie tells her that she feels humiliated. And her mom asks what Mackenzie wants. And Mackenzie's like, I want to get a divorce. And Angie's response is that shouldn't even be in your vocabulary. Whew, that is a crazy thing to say. Uh, Mackenzie's like, well, okay, it shouldn't, but I can't get over him cheating. Now, I'm not really sure why we're pretending like Josh hasn't cheated multiple times in the past, but I guess that's what we're doing. (laughs) Mackenzie says she is unable to work through cheating. She's unable to move past cheating. This is her, like, bottom line. She cannot deal with this. And Angie's like, okay, well, I've seen relationships work through it, and I don't see why you would end it over something so silly and insignificant, basically. She belittles Mackenzie, basically is telling Mackenzie that, sorry, an, an Amazon delivery man had the nerve to drop off a package for us and my dog just lost her mind. Angie is basically implying that Mackenzie is upset over something that doesn't mean anything and that she shouldn't be so upset and that she should be able to work through this. And my thing is, it's like the crazy thing to me, at least we didn't even hear, like Mackenzie or Angie doesn't even, I understand she feels this way because of her religion, but she doesn't even like bring in scripture. She doesn't even say why she feels this way. I, I just... Like, I couldn't understand, like, she doesn't even defend herself. She's just like, well, nope, you shouldn't do that. Mackenzie is like, well, you know, I can't deal with him cheating. And Angie says, what could you have done differently? <laughs> now, I don't know if we're missing context here. And the context is that Mackenzie has also cheated on Josh, which apparently has happened. And maybe that's, like, what we're missing. And so maybe that's what Angie's alluding to. Like, you cheated on him, too. But that was tough to hear. Mackenzie's like, um, I don't like it when women get blamed for their husband cheating on them. And I was like, okay, Mackenzie, like somebody's been reading Tumblr. <laughs> Someone's been on her Pinterest quotes. <laughs> and Angie is like, yeah, but you have built up together too much uh, for you to throw it away. And maybe you shouldn't have like been so mean to him. <laughs> And, you know, once again, like I was saying with Amber, like, there is a way to have this conversation. Like, what's going on in your relationship that cheating happened? Like, what were you both unhappy? Like, can you work past this? Because is this cheating a result of him just being, like, an awful partner? Or is this cheating a result of, like, you two just having, like, a totally unhappy marriage and you both need to, like, work to have a happier marriage? Um, You know, like, if you're an Esther uh, Peril person... (laughs) Uh, hosts of the podcast, Where Should We Begin, which is a podcast where you listen to a couple have a couple's counseling session. And it's crazy and intense. And she, a lot of the times, works with partners that have, like, had cheating issues. And she brings that up. It's like, okay, so how do, if you both want to be together, like, 
we need to look back on what happened when the cheating started and how we move past that and what we both what you both need to do and what you both could have done and stuff like that. I'm not blame I'm not saying like Mackenzie is to blame for Josh cheating on her, but like if that's what you want to move past, there is a way to discuss it to be like, well, what is your part in a bad marriage? So Mackenzie then responds with being like no, I did everything right. I'm the one that built up this marriage. Josh hasn't done shit. I worked hard. Basically saying what we all know, which is like, Josh is not shit. He's never been shit. She's the one that makes the money. She's the one that raises the kids. She's the one that pays all their bills. Like, she is the reason that Josh is able to do anything in this life. And Angie's only response is like, well, how many times did you say I there? (laughs) Oh, my God. Angie says too many young couples divorce over stupid stuff like this, which is, once again, just such a belittling and awful thing to say. It also makes me question uh, just how happy Angie and Brad, her husband's relationship with, is if she believes that cheating and just, like, hating one another is little and stupid. Angie's like, well, I want to protect my grandkids. Kids are hurt by divorce. Like, kids are hurt by their parents hating each other, Angie. And Mackenzie says what we all know, which is that she should have let Josh go when Gannon was a baby. And Angie's like, well, life is too short to fight. Which is like, yeah, which is why she wants to get a divorce. Like, Angie wants everyone to just pretend like nothing is bad and just continue on in their unhappy marriages. And that scene was like, whoo, a toxic child and parent relationship. I felt really awful for Mackenzie. Like, really awful. I've always said that I thought Angie was very cruel to her and, like, not a nice mother to Mackenzie. I've always said this. I've never gotten any warmth from from Angie. They always talk about how warm she is and how loving she is and how wonderful she is, and we never see that displayed with Mackenzie, and that's sad. Mackenzie's going to have years and years and years and years to unpack this treatment of her, and This is going to be tough to watch. If this whole season is like this with Angie being really cruel to Mackenzie and us also knowing that Angie dies, like, yikes. I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to talk about it. All I can talk about is what I see in this episode, right? I just have to respond to it. So anyway, that's it for this week. Follow me at feathers underscore pod. Also, I've been posting way more stuff to my personal Instagram stories, BentleyLiz1. Uh, If you are interested in just, like, my personal life, which is, like, nothing right now, but I've been, I don't know, posting memes, and usually I don't really post on my stories that much at all, but I've been posting a lot more during this quarantine period. Uh, You can come follow me there. And, yeah, that's really it. I will keep you appraised of my limited series situation. If you think Sister Wives is a good idea, let me know. If you think that there's a different show, you can make a suggestion, but uh, obviously I'm the final, this is a dictatorship, you know? This is not a cheerocracy, if you will. Uh, I get to decide. (laughs) But there's a million shows, so there's a million things that I could possibly talk about. Remember, it will be a limited series, so, you know, hopefully I'll be back to work with, like, within a month, and this will just be, like, one month of this, and... Yeah. Anyway, everyone, stay okay, stay alive, stay healthy, wash your hands, social distance, stay at home, don't go out. I love you. I'm glad you're all here. Talk to you later. Kiss, kiss. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.